25. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm reading for the, from the NIV. It's the parable of the talents. And this uh, particular talk I've, co- I've called Blessing and Accountability. Okay. So Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. He says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went uh, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. And so also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then a man, then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I've not sown, and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we're looking uh, this morning at this whole aspect of blessing and accountability. And before I start, I thought I'd put this particular parable in context. You see, in Matthew, before Matthew 25, Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the signs of the, of the end times. He's talking about uh, things being wrapped up. He's talking about the judgment and he's talking about the signs at the end times. You might know the, the passage where he says, the day and the hour is unknown. In Matthew 25, 1 to 13, following on from the signs of the end of the age, there's the parable of the ten virgins, where they are waiting for the bridegroom to return. And in that, Jesus talks about, keep watch, you don't know the day or the hour. 
when the bridegroom will return. He's obviously referring here to the second coming and his return. We then have the parable of the talents about the servants who were entrusted with a sum of money. And they themselves uh, are working. The master goes away. Then the master returns and has, asks, asks the servants to give an account of what they've done. And then finally, in Matthew 25, 31, 46, just after that parable, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the separation of sheep from goats. And about, you might re remember this passage where he says, you gave me some, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. So why am I putting this in context? It's because this particular parable is, is quite a serious parable. And I'd like you to think about it and have some sober thought and seriousness about what I'm sharing this morning. Because in it is something that Jesus wants us to grasp that will happen at the end of the age when we stand before God. You see, what I want to talk about is the fact that, first of all, we are born again. Those of us here who are born again and have the Holy Spirit, when we die, when we pass on, you're going to enter heaven. There's an inheritance for us in heaven. Would you agree? Yeah, there's an inheritance. We're born again. There's an inheritance. We're God's children. We will enter heaven. But also, we will have to give an account for the way we've lived our lives, the stewardship, uh, how we've handled our abilities, how we've handled the gifts that God's given us. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes okay. And I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus speaking. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Hebrews 4, verse 13. This is the, this is the Hebrew writer writing to, uh, speaking to the Hebrew church. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. So everything that we do, everything that we say, our motives, we will stand before God, we'll give an account. And finally, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. This is Paul writing to the, Corinthian, to the Christians in the Corinthian church. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, it is a, that's quite serious, isn't it? That we do have to stand before God to give an account. And what I want us to do is to look at the, the blessings and the good things that God has given us as individuals and as the church. And look at the stewardship and how we handle and use everything that God's given us, the good things he's given us, so that we're in that place that when we stand before God and give an account, 
we'll be welcomed in with good and faithful servants. So that's where I want us to kind of go over this next 15 or you know, 20 minutes or something. See, I believe, um, I believe in heaven we will have responsibilities. Because do you know before the fall, we were, we were created to work. Adam, it says in Genesis 2.15, this is before the fall. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. So before the fall, we were created for work. It isn't work a blessing? That was one or two. <laughs> work is a blessing, isn't it? It is. It's a real blessing. Uh, Jesus, uh, in John 5, 17, speaking, to his, speaking, said this, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Do you know, do you know God, the father, is working? He's working. He's wor I, I don't know what work he does, obviously, but he is working. God's at work. The Father is at work. Maybe he's, he's answering all the prayers that we're praying. Uh, so I believe that when we pass from this life into the next life, there, there's, there, will, be there will be responsibilities because there'll be work to do. Okay. So let's just start looking more closely at this particular parable. Now, we know that parables, when Jesus gives a, uh, speaks a parable, it has a deeper meaning. We're to look into what that deeper meaning is. Okay, so there's something in this parable that he's positioned between the judgment and uh, the, the, the second coming. There's something he wants us to grasp. You see, the parable I looked at, and when you go through it and count the words, 25% of that parable on the talents is about him giving the gifts and the resources. The other 75% is the accountability. The other 75% of the parable is he's getting an account from those who he's given five talents to, those he's given two, and those he's given one. So this, this parable is about accountability. Well, that's where I'm getting from it anyway. Yeah. So, the master in this parable is not a king. He's an entrepreneur. He's not, he's not a king. He's an entrepreneur. And he's a very wealthy uh, entrepreneur. He must have had billions of pounds in today's money because talents in the New Testament time were worth, if you like, between... 15 and 20 years of an of a average wage in them days. So if you put that into our monetary terms today, if we earn £25,000, say, as an average wage, and you multiply that by 20, the mathematicians amongst us will say it's worth half a million pounds. Thanks, Tammy. <laughs> Bright guy. <laughs> uh, half a million pounds. So the person with the five talents had, in today's terms, two and a half million pounds as, as a gift to kind of invest. So that's why I'm saying, in this parable, the master must have been a billionaire. Now, I reckon 
And we see that from the end of the parable. He was going on a journey, and because of his huge amount of wealth and his enterprise, he was looking for faithful, good servants to take charge of these billions of pounds he's got on this huge enterprise he's got. He wants faithful, honest, trustworthy servants. How does he do that? I know. I'm going to go away, and I know my servants. I'm going to give some of my wealth to a couple of these other servants and see how they get on with it while my eye is not on them. Now, how does that relate to us? Jesus has ascended into heaven and will return. Would you agree? He's coming back. Isn't that wonderful news? Jesus is coming back. And what's he done? He's given his people. He's given people gifts, natural gifts and spiritual gifts. Every one of you has a valuable gift or gifts within you. And Jesus has gone away and he's looking in this life to see how we use it. We only get one crack at life. There's no reincarnate. We get one crack at life. And so, uh, what I'm saying is, we, the Lord wants to see us how we're going to steward what he's given us. We all have different abilities, don't we? Some have got more abilities than others. Uh, uh, some people are kind of like confident and, uh, you know, are good speakers, got a great vocabulary. Uh, some people are, are, are really intelligent, you know, dummy. <laughs> really intelligent. Uh, some people um, are artistic or got great musical skills, like Kalani. So the point I'm making is God, in his wisdom, has looked at our lives and thought, right, that person, I'm going to give these gifts and abilities, spiritual and natural. You've got them. You've got them. You may not know you've got them, and I'm going to come to a bit later on of how you can find out what giftings you've got. But you've got them. And what we're to do is not be people who compare ourselves with one another. What we do is we celebrate the giftings that we see in one another, don't we? We celebrate the giftings. We don't compare or compete. We just celebrate the giftings that are in one another because together as the church, and we were just hearing through the prophetic word, how God, once we were not a people, once we were not a people, but in God's wisdom, he's brought us together in this place at this time with all these amazing abilities and gifts to form King's Church, a local body of Christ. Isn't that amazing that God's done that? And you know, we have all we need for the next step in the vision of what God has given King's Church. You know, this whole thing of um, establishing communities of missional disciples. Well, you know, God's in this church, in you and I, 
has actually, and in the leadership, he's put these gifts and abilities that we can make that next step. Uh, Christ is enough for us, as we sang, you know, this morning. Everything that we need is in Christ. And we are the body of Christ. Everything we need is in the church for our next step. Um, how do you know what your abilities are? Well, what do you enjoy doing? What, what, what do you like doing? You know, that's a good indicator of what your gifting and your ability is. Within you, each of you, there's something that in your heart you, you, you enjoy doing. That, that, that could be the gift that, or the ability uh, that God's put in you. Uh, what activities do you gravitate towards when you've got free time? You know, uh, do you gravitate towards DIY? Uh, do you gravitate towards reading the Bible? Uh, do you gravitate towards practice? Uh, you know, singing or musicians. Uh, that could be an indicator. The other thing is, what do people say they like or admire about you? What do people say they like or they admire about you? Now, that's a really good one because you can think you've got a good voice. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, you're going to wake up when you say to those that are close to you, can I sing a song to you? And they start putting the finger in these. But, you know, the people around you will tell you what your, what your giftings are. Um, and th that will be helpful. You know, one of the greatest gifting and deposits that God has put in us is himself, isn't it? We carry around with us the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit, which is a wonderful gift to know forgiveness, to know hope, to know new life. That is wonderful to have. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says, he speaks about treasures, treasure in jars of clay. And that treasure within each and every one of us here, if you are born again, if you're a Christian, that treasure that Paul's speaking about is the knowledge of the glory of the gospel of Jesus. So everyone here, even if you think, I've got no abilities, what you're carrying is the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we've been looking at the, uh, the parable of the talents. You know what each of you could do? If you want to store some treasure up in heaven, start sharing the gospel, the knowledge of the gospel of salvation. Because... What a multiplication. What, a, what a, an investment. If you take some of that treasure out of your heart and you share that with someone who doesn't know you, then, and they're born again by the Spirit of God, then that's an investment. That's a pushback in the kingdom of darkness and an increase in the kingdom of light. Would you agree? And you've got this treasure within you. There was a guy called Roy Moss who many, many years ago spoke the gospel to me. And I received that treasure, and it completely transformed my life.
So we, we have this treasure within us. And it's not just individually I'm, to, I'm addressing us this morning, but as collectively as a church, uh, God, as I say, has placed wonderful giftings and abilities amongst us. We're not in the game of looking after our own interests. Life isn't just about the job, the house, the kids, the car, the holiday. Life's not just about that, is it? Well, it is to a, yeah, it is to a point, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's more than that. It is more than that. Life is about the kingdom of God. We heard, didn't we, that we're, we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people that belongs to God. And so it's, God wants to do something through us in this generation, in this city, through you and I as the church. And we would talk, I, I was listening to um, Lacundo uh, on YouTube talking about discipleship. And one of the wonderful things about discipleship, one of the greatest vehicles for discipleship, you know, one of the greatest vehicles for discipleship is actually working together to, 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 to reach a common goal, a vision. And that mission for us is to establish communities of missional disciples. Now, to work together um, to establish that goal, you find yourself with like-minded people. You begin to trust people you begin to disciple one another. As Kalani was saying, there's these many things in the church, like stewardship, uh, children's work, youth work, all these different things, PA, musician. There's all these different... If you get yourself into one of these teams or get yourself into a connect group, you'll find yourself with groups of people where you begin to relate, you begin to work together, you begin to trust one another. And you know what? Disciple begins to happen naturally. Yes, you can have individual people you might go to for discipleship. But one of the greatest things for discipleship is taking ownership. Let's not be like footballers who are substitutes, who are sitting outside the game watching it. Let's get on the field and take part. Let's get in the game because it'll do you good, it'll do the church good, it'll, it'll do this city good, and God will be pleased. Because we know, don't we, that the Lord has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And those good works that he wants doing, he has given us everything that we need. He's given me and you everything we need for life and godliness. It doesn't matter what you go through in life. You know, I've been through a few things. You've been through a few things. But, you, but trusting God, he will give you what you need to get through difficulties in life. You just need to trust in him. So, the servants... Uh, 
who had five talents and two talents, back to the parable, I believe their motivation wasn't money. Their motivation wasn't to make a load of money. I believe, just looking at that parable, they knew their master. They'd watched him. They saw how he'd worked. They looked at how he made his decisions. They looked at his integrity. They looked, at the, they looked probably at the risks he'd taken, so he'd worked with them. The master knew them because he knew their abilities. And I think they had confidence. The guys with the five and two talents had confidence. They had loyalty towards their master. They, I believe, I believe it was their love for him that they knew he was a billionaire. And it wasn't about the money. It was about giving all their life to him in their work, in their integrity, in their heart, you know, in the decisions they were making. They wanted to uh, just be able to say to him, Master, we've done the best we can. That's all he wanted. To, you know what? That's all the master wanted to hear. He wanted to see they've done the best they can. It just so happens he made another five talents and another two more talents. That's all. It wasn't about the money. And so God knows you and he knows me. He knows the, um, he knows the talents we have. And we too love him, don't we? We love the Lord. And, you know, the, the depth that we love him and the, uh, the knowledge of his word and the knowledge of Jesus and the examples he's given us, the more we know, the greater will be our accountability. Because the more we know, the more we should be living out the truth that we know. If you don't know a lot, well, you can't answer for it, can you? But if we know the Lord, as we say we do, what is it you know about him? What do you know about his word? And the question is, and I'm speaking to myself, are we living out what we know in the word of God? Because that's what we'll have to give an account for. But we love him and we trust him and... Um, that's our motivation. We want to please him. So what is it we will take to heaven? Well, it won't be the car, will it? Or the bank balance. I know we'd like to, but it won't be. Uh, the only thing we can take to heaven is ourselves. It's, it's your personality. It's your character. It's what you've said. And it's what you've done. That's all you can... When we give an account to the Lord, that's all we can take. And by the way, when we give an account to the Lord, it's not going to be like a schoolmaster and a pupil. It's not going to be that. He's our heavenly Father. He loves us. He cares for us. But we still will have to say, Lord, this is what I did. And he'll know what you did and what you've done. You know... Your personality, how do you think? What's your thinking like? Uh, how, did you, how are you behaving in life? What's your behavior like? Uh, what's your temperament like? This is your personality. Character, integrity, honesty, courage, loyalty, mental and emotional strength. What, what, what are those things like? 
Um, Jesus says to his servants, or in this parable, well done, good and faithful servants. I think that gives us something that God's looking for in us. Good and faithful, goodness and faithfulness. What's goodness here? It's someone who shows high moral standards, concerned with principles of what is right and wrong. Are you concerned about what is right and wrong in your life? Or do you just turn a blind eye to some things? So, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is something I think we can really develop here on earth and take that to heaven with us. Righteousness, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control. What's faithfulness? It's simply someone who's trustworthy, reliable, loyal, maybe diligent. Faithfulness. Are you developing those type of characteristics in your personality? You know, one of the things I believe will stand before God and he'll speak to us about is relationships. The greatest commandment is a relational commandment. And I'll be drawing things to a close in a moment. We know the commandment, don't we? The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind and your soul. And love your neighbour as yourself. That is the greatest commandment, isn't it? Well, I believe that when we stand before the Lord, that will probably be top of the list. You want to know how we've conducted ourselves with our family, with our friends, and with strangers. And I'm getting a little bit more conscious now, even now, that how I'm actually dealing with people who I meet on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, people in work or people in the shops. The Lord's interested in how we actually deal with people because people are very, very precious to him. And our gospel is a relational gospel. Our gospel is a moral gospel. The gospel is a moral gospel of what is right and true. And we believe we want to live what God tells us is true. We want to do his will, don't we? So it is a moral gospel. And finally, as we kind of come into this uh, servant with the one talent, sadly, uh, he was paralyzed with fear. He was paralyzed with fear. He said he was, he's fearful of the master. He's afraid of him. With this immobilized him and stopped him doing anything. And that's what fear does. You know, fear feeds our worries and our anxieties. And Jesus, in Matthew 6, spoke to us about not worrying. What he said was, you know, do not worry. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Look how God's provided for them. I would say, when you get to that place where you're worrying about something, get yourself outside, literally, because he says, look at the bird, and go and have a look around a creation and that'll put your worry in context. That'll put your issue into context. He's, Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. So do what he says. Don't sit there worrying about it. Go out and have a look around and think, you know what? It doesn't. After you've had a walk for half an hour, you won't feel as bad. Jesus also says, 
don't worry saying in that passage. He says, don't worry saying. So what I would say is, don't talk yourself down negatively. You can spiral yourself down talking negatively. Don't talk negatively. Trust in the Lord. And finally, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So in that passage, and you can read it, Matthew 6, he actually gives some indication of how to get ourselves out of this cycle of worry. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. We don't want to be fearful because it's like a snare. It traps you. And that talent, that servant with the one talent was trapped. He couldn't, because he didn't know his master fully, he couldn't understand that the master was gracious and kind and loving. And so he was afraid of him. So fear will stop you growing. It will stop you moving out in faith. It will stop you taking the risk. It will stop you encountering people. Fear is a snare. The enemy wants to trap you. But what does the proverb says? It says, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you trust in the Lord, you'll find peace. You'll find a calmness. You'll find a grace in which to move out and to do what the Lord has called you to do. So in summary, we're to consider how we are using the resources of God that he's given to each of us in life, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, with a view that we will give an account to God Are we taking responsibility and stewardship of all that God has given you as an individual? And what I mean by that is your family, your friends, your jobs, your finances, your health, all these blessings that God's given you. Are you taking responsibility? Are you a good steward of those things? Um, we've looked at the, how the servants demonstrated their responsibility in the small things. And in return... They were, in, they were entrusted with greater responsibility. So I believe that when we stand before the Lord and give an account, if there's work to do, there's going to be greater responsibilities in the life to come. And so, you know, I, I believe there'll be rewards for those who've, re, who've showed diligence, who haven't sat on the sidelines and not got in the game. Uh, Third point, know your abilities, your natural and your spiritual giftings. And you know what? Have a go. If you don't know, have a go at something. Um, have a go at stewarding. Have a go um, at, at serving in some particular area. And if we're going to plant missional communities um, in Greater Manchester, I'd encourage you to, uh, if, you, if the, there isn't a community in your area, I'd encourage you to join a community. And what I mean by that is this. Why don't you join something uh, like a volunteering group or something where there's non-Christians and go in there and, you know, bring the knowledge of the kingdom of God. Um, why don't you go to an ITU class if you like cooking? 
and join a community there and bring the knowledge of God to, to those people and, and invest in there. Or if you're, if you're like DIY or car mechanics or set up your own or go and join a choir. The point I'm making is don't, don't live in a Christian bubble. Get yourself out and get into other communities where there are non-Christians and bring the life of God to them. Bring the gospel. Transform a community uh, by your presence. Nearly there now. What do we take to heaven? Personality, character, what we've done, what we said. Um, so let's just pray. If we could just bow our heads, let's pray and we'll finish. Lord, we bring our whole lives before you. And we take a moment uh, just to thank you, Lord, for all the good things you've provided. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things. We just reflect on them for the moment, Lord, and say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we commit our lives to you afresh today to seek first your kingdom and to live doing what is right in all aspects of our lives. Understanding we will give an account to you of how we have used all that you've given us. Lord, may we be welcomed into your kingdom with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. Oh,